Praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning and it's lovely again as always to have Garrett and Jackie and the two younger wee ones, the two older ones, they took a, a baby break somewhere in there and uh, we just thank the Lord for their friendship over many years and uh, coming to the fellowship and encouraging us and we're, we're thankful for them being with us this morning and Garrett's going to come and share God's word. Praise the Lord. Let's give him a warm welcome this morning. It's good to have him. Um, I, I'm, my birthday is next week, not just to, not, I'll give you my address afterwards, you can post down there. But I said to my little son, Simon, sorry, Tim, if I repeat myself, I said to my little son, Simon, I'm going to be so old next week. And he said, it's okay, daddy, you'll have hair in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, praise God. So, how do you know that? <laughs> Praise God. I wonder if you could turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Praise God. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray this morning for the anointing of God to come upon the word. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit, Lord, to fuse with the word of God, to make it come alive in our hearts to know your anointing, Lord God, to speak forth your word, Lord God, that it may go forth with anointing and unction. Lord, that hearts may be stirred to believe in you, to trust in you, Lord, to be strengthened, to be encouraged by you, Lord. God, will you do it, Lord, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Just going to look at some verses in Ephesians chapter 5, but before before I do that, I just feel led to just read a, another few scriptures in Matthew's gospel. You don't need to turn there, but I just uh, feel to make a, a point in these few scriptures before we get into the rest of the word of God this morning. Matthew's gospel 13, Jesus, it, in, in the account it says that now when Jesus... Now, when it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. And when they had come to his own country, taught them there in the synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joses, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And so when they, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And, you know, we, we can come into the house of God, believers, Christians, with unbelief in our hearts. We can come in, is this another message? Sing a few songs, is this another prayer? Uh, is this another Sunday? Is this another meeting? Is this another gathering? And we can uh, almost allow the routine of life to diminish our expectation in God. So I just would want to exhort you by the word of God this morning. Have faith in God. You, you can be set free here this morning. 
You can be delivered. You can be healed. Um, the possibilities with God are just immeasurable. And so often our routines, they rob us of expectation. We go to church, we go to our meetings, we say our prayers, but the heart can be somewhere else. But I would just try and exhort you this morning, pay attention this morning. Mix what you're about to hear with faith. Expect God to speak to you. Yeah, Let me repeat that again. Expect God to speak to you. Mix what you hear today with faith. Let's try in one sense push aside our familiarity. I've heard these verses before. I've heard it preached on before. All of that. Try and push that. I said, Lord, I need a word from heaven this morning. I need your voice. I need your direction. Lord, I need you to come. Amen. So shall we together go in this faith journey with God and be uh, stirred up in our hearts? You know, it's wonderful to just to enjoy the worship this morning and just feel God's presence, the, the wonder of it, and we're encouraged and strengthened. And how often when we go out on a Monday, we lose that so easily because of our the patterns of thinking in our mind. But the whole purpose of us coming together is to remind us of who we are. A brother or sister reads a scripture. We're reminded of the goodness of God. The songs stir our hearts. But when we go out there, it's like as if, as if God's not the same, but he is the same. He wants us to bring that joy, that, uh, that peace that rests out there with us and that others may see that this God is real. He's real. He's absolutely real. Amen. So let's read together chapter 5, verse 1 down to verse 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Praise God. So that verse verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So you and I as Christians, we are meant to be imitators of God. We, we like it when people do imitations of people or take on, the, I like doing that kind of stuff, taking on people's accents and stuff. There's, there's something um, that people enjoy, that sort of thing. But you and I are meant to be imitators of God. Not hypocrites. That's the old name for an actor. He, he works as an actor. He's a hypocrite. But God doesn't want us to be just mimicking him and our hearts not be in it. He wants us to walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we are not only to be imitators of God, but in our imitation of him, following him. So you could look at it one one way, whatever you follow, you become like. He is our example. To live like Christ lived. He who called you is holy, so we also should be holy in our conduct. As we walk with God, he forgives us, cleanses us, he loves us, and so we should be, be likewise with one another. If we come to God in our failure and sin and we ask for forgiveness, we expect God to forgive us. We're coming with an honest heart. We should exercise that same forgiveness with each other. As we walk with God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We are to walk in love. That is not an outward thing, but an inward thing. An inward love that has an outward expression. An action that is lived out in our, in our lives. Walking and moving in the progression of what God has done in our lives. And this is going somewhere. There's, there's a progression. There's an evidence. There's an outward fruit. You know that saying, after all is said and done, more is said than done. And I'm sure you can agree, uh, from going to church for me the last 30 years, more is said than done. I've, I've said Often in my own life, I say many things, but more, more is said than actually done. And we, we have to, you know, correct ourselves. We have to examine our own hearts that we're not just um, hearers, but doers of what God's word commands us to do. So we walk in love because he first loved us. Jesus is often admired as an example in terms of behavior which is, is okay, I suppose. You, you might see that in the secular world when there's a comparison of religions and all of those things. But it, for you and I, it, it goes much deeper than just an example. In fact, I, I'm not really a fan of parallels uh, put alongside Jesus because he's the way. He's not one way, he is the way. He's the way and he is truth. He's the embodiment of truth and he's the life. So all of our needs are in him. All our provision, our life is from him. 
some brother sent me a, a picture yesterday morning of the sun coming up. What a beautiful reminder of the Son of God rising in our hearts. What an example. He, his behavior goes far deeper. He is the only example. And as dear children, when we see the behavior of children, you say he or she is just like their dad. Some of us that have little ones are a little older, perhaps, and you see little characteristics coming out in them. It's just like their mom or just like their dad. I love to look at those things. I think that's a lovely, precious realm that the Lord has given us and beautiful pictures of how we ought to be. When you look at, at a, a, a child, a son or a daughter of their mom and dad, you see characteristics and aspects coming out in the children. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> but for us as Christians, we ought to be displaying the characteristics of the Son of God, Jesus. You know, even, even in families, even in looking at natural things like that, God's stamp, God's mark, God's uh, authority, his, his hand is everywhere to the genuine seeker of God. You know, children imitate their parents. They do what their parents do. Not, not in every way, but in, in characteristics, sayings, things like that, family habits, all of those sorts of things. Isn't that a wonderful example of how when we get into the word of God and there are things in his word that affect us and begin to change. And so as God's word affects us, as our relationship deepens in our lives, well, it affects what we wear, it affects what we say, it affects what we look at, all of those things by feasting on him, by dwelling upon him, by meditating upon him, that influence begins to filter in to our lives and begins to change the outward characteristics. Isn't that wonderful? You look at your son or daughter and you, you see the little things coming out in them and say, God, God is even speaking to me, to my children, to my sons, to my daughters, to my brother and sister. So we, uh, we act according to our nature. And as, as children of God, if we imitate God, uh, there is fruit evident in our lives. We don't use bad language. We don't swear because Jesus didn't. Our lives are conditioned by the way he is. He is the influence in our lives that is changing our conduct. And if you, if you find you've maybe your walk has stunted or it has been hindered, there's issues have come up that have blocked that entrance, that have blocked that communion, well, then it's time to put that right. There is an answer. It's like going to the doctor and, there's a, and he doesn't have a cure, but there is a cure there. It's only just a matter of finding out exactly what is wrong. And for you and I as Christians, the cure is Jesus Christ. He is the answer. It's, it's so simple. He is the answer to it all. We are to be the expression of the heart of God in this society to reveal a way of hope and a way of truth to those that are around us. That's why we are there. Every one of us, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. It's not left to so-and-so or someone in the back or someone in the top or that's the pastor's job. No, you, where you are, you are mixing with people that I will never perhaps see, that I will never uh, come in contact, but you're there. You can be a saver of life in your workplace and wherever God has you. 
It's because God wants to reach them. God, sometimes um, we, we can be so cold-hearted, so um, going through the motions that, that the love of God is not able to flow through us. God is wanting to have mercy upon those that are around you, but we're not tuning in. We're preoccupied with other things. Maybe we're getting too preoccupied with the cares of the world. We, you, I, we are to be the expression of God's heart in the society in which God has. We're not over in the Amazon. We're not, we're not up in Alaska. We're here. You're here in Balnehinch. I'm in Limerick. God has you there for a purpose. He is building his church and he wants your cooperation. He wants your life to matter. And when God has his way in our hearts, that, I believe, is true contentment. When God has his way in our lives, that is true contentment. That's where the peace of God is resident. It's when we walk in disobedience and we know we're not right. Well, we lack the peace of God. We lack confidence. We lack and all of these sorts of things that creep in because we allow them into our mind. Charles Spurgeon said, I've heard of an atheist who said he could get over every argument except the example of his godly mother. He could never answer that. How challenging it is to think and to consider that God gave all and he held nothing back. The salvation that he purchased for our Heavenly Father in which we have access, he held nothing back back and as we get a glimpse of that and as we see that afresh in our lives we can be like the prophet woe is me at what we see inside but he says here am i send me use me lord how challenging it is to consider if we walk in the love that is that is explained in this word the deep love that agape love, the, the self-giving without expecting to receive, the, the sacrificial love in which the Son of God gave himself for us, the things that the angels desire to look into. Here are we the creature, how often we can be so indifferent. A sacrificial love, a love that cried, it is finished. A love that swallowed up the enemy. A love that demolished and annihilated the enemy. A love that destroyed every one of the Egyptians. What a perfect sacrifice. What a redemption that has been fully revealed. What a redemption that we can delight in. We can sing those wonderful songs of Zion. We can rejoice in them because they're real. They have changed our hearts. I just want to remind you this morning, the cry that you uttered 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, whatever. He's still the same Christ. It's still the same gospel. It's still setting people free. It's still alive. It's We're the problem. We have probably covered it over with religion and respectability and, and all of these sorts of rituals. And I'm not saying we ought to be disrespect, unrespectable or, you know, I'm not giving us license to be unrestrained, but God's ways are truth. They're life-changing. 
And if, if it has become rules and regulation and stained glass windows and door and all of these things, that is not God. That's not who he is. He said, you shall know the truth and that truth will set you free. Not with some sort of a silly grin in your face, but a real sustaining freedom on the, from the inside out. This is a great gospel. He paid the full sacrifice. It was, as it were, a sweet-smelling aroma, an appeasement, an atoning sacrifice for us. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. If you and I were in the right frame of mind, more often in our Christian world, the, the fragrance of Christ would flow out of us. A, a life-giving message. Some will reject, others will embrace. But the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are God's fragrance. We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The message of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but to us who are saved, it is life. It is the power of God. That is what this message is all about. This is what we remind ourselves day in and day out, that this gospel is real. It's a message of hope. It's a message of good news. It's a life-changing message. It's a not joining together and signing petitions. They have values. I'm not knocking those things. But the thing that changes our society is the gospel. That's what the Whitfield and Wesleys preached up and down the British Isles, up and down the land and countries. They preached a message that set people free. It stopped the onslaught of wickedness. That's what will change our society. It's the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. Verse 3, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So in this verse here, it switches to various types of sin that are clearly mentioned. That word fornication is, comes from the Greek word meaning pornea. We, we, that's where we get the word pornography from, which includes adultery and incest and all sorts of uncleanness and impurity. It says here, let it not even be named among you. Unfortunately, this is a huge problem in many of our professing churches, especially with the rise of smart technology. It's potentially an open sewer pipe into every hand and every home. It is not fitting for us as Christians. If you and I are full of the Holy Spirit, there is no room for anything else. It's not just about a one-time experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing filling of the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God every day of our lives. We need that initial anointing, that opening up of the, so that we may receive the Spirit of God. But we leak. Perhaps some of us haven't been filled with the Spirit in years. And I would confidently say, if you and I are full of the Holy Spirit, you will not be preoccupied with such things that will damage your Christian walk. 
It says, let it not even be named among you. The Apostles' Day was also a very immoral time. Also, all sorts of sexual behavior was acceptable in the society of its day. But have we ever seen such an influx of wickedness coming across our land today? It's unbelievable to see the amount and the progression of it, even in the last 10 years, that potentially, it's, I think it's one of the greatest deadeners to Christian churches today. Because it's shameful. It's, it's embarrassing to talk about these things. But they ought not to be among us. It's not how we ought to behave. And it's time to put these things right. It's time to stop the cycle of sin and confess. It's time to bring it to God. And I'm here this morning to tell you, you can be set free from it. You can be set free from it. Absolutely set free. We hear the prayer requested, the awful needs in people's lives. You visit any accident and emergency, you see the needs of people that are coming in. Some people in poor health, some people had accidents. Our society is in dire need. But the greatest need of all is to have that sin dealt with. And we, we need a fresh anointing of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need a fr the fresh appreciation of what the fear of God is. I, I've known in my own Christian life times when I, I could tangibly feel the presence of God and the fear of God in my life. And I'm I telling you, it, it, it had a straightening up effect in my heart. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of, of God changes your behavior. Natural fear will stop you from running across that road because you know you're going to get knocked down because it's a busy road. But the fear of God causes man to depart from iniquity. We need the fear of God in our churches. But you can be set free. You can be delivered. You can know true freedom. The Bible talks about being not tangled again with the yoke of bondage. So that tells me it's possible to get entangled again. But I want to tell you, you can be set free this morning. This morning you can be set free. You can allow Christ into that area of your life and say, God, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of my own efforts. I need God to come. But let me tell you, you must have faith in God. Because our resolutions, they last like the morning dew. It just doesn't work. Have faith in God. Who told that woman with the issue of blood to touch the edge of his garment? Who told her to do that? She exercised faith in the one that could deliver her. Have faith in God this morning. Verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jesting. These are not for you and I. Instead, let us be thankful to God. We're not to be caught up in foolish or obscene stories and coarse jokes. That's the way the world is. We don't laugh at their jokes. Verse 5, for this you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom. Of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Here are the clear warnings in God's word. It says, no fornicator, unclean person, covetous, or, or who's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. That puts one in dangerous ground. If you are dabbling in these things, we're not to be partakers with them. Don't let easy believism fool you with deceit to say, yeah, sure, it's okay, the grace of God. It's because of these things the wrath of God is coming. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Look at the beginning of, of, of creation. Adam and Eve, all they did was disobey God. All they did was take a piece of forbidden fruit. They took of something that was forbidden. And always, you know, and you and I know, in human nature, whatever is forbidden, it always becomes the most attractive thing. But that thing that is forbidden has a sting in its tail. It has a gripping effect on your life. It grabs hold on you like a fish hook. And that's the enemy. He twists the word of God. He'll tell you the truth, but he'll just twist it, slightly distort it a bit. It's like that great liner ship heading out towards the, the, uh, the horizon. You just move that rudder just very slightly. That's not obvious. That's the way sin works, very slightly. If we can't get them to outrightly disobey God, just move things a little bit. It looks right. It looks genuine. It looks kosher. But it's leading you off course. That's why we need to get into this book to put us on course every day. We need constant adjusting. It's like the satnav says, recalculating. We need that in our Christian lives. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ? The people mentioned here, the fornicator, the unclean person, the covetous man, have no inheritance in God's kingdom. If God's kingdom is, in, is in, alive in them, a transformation has occurred that they cannot rest in the habitual practice of these things. If you're caught in these and if you're vexed, I'm glad. But God have mercy on you if it, if it doesn't bother you. God, there is nothing worse than being in a place of sin and it's not convicting you anymore. It's a dangerous place to be. Conviction of sin is a wonderful thing. It's a precious thing. But it has a deceiving effect. Sin will harden your heart. It says in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Every single one of us here this morning are living in what we have sown, either good or bad. If God were to pull back the curtain and reveal what we really are, that is a scary thought. But, you know, God can see that this morning. He can see my heart. He can see your heart. Every single life here this morning, he can see right through our motives. He can see it all. And God, we can't fool him. If we continue to go on in these areas unchecked, it will grow. And it leaves one in uncertain territory in regards to your place in the kingdom of God. Everything comes into question. Are you saved? Well, maybe or not. If you're genuinely saved, all of those uncertain areas. Covetousness, greediness, a form of idolatry. See, it's these things are the world is steeped in, and they ought not to be among us. 
We are not to be fooled by those who try to excuse sin because it's, it's because of these things that God is coming to pour out the payment for a life living that way. Let us not play with such things. Let us not be entangled with this yoke of bondage. We are not to be partakers with them. Verse 8, For you once were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. If, you, if, you, if you're a Christian, walk as a Christian. The Bible talks about put on the armor of God. Well, maybe you're going out in the morning and you're, you're not putting it on. Maybe there's a, duplic- a duplicate life. God wants to get rid of the, all, the other life and for you to walk in the newness of his life. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. You once were in darkness in one realm and and did not know any better. You just didn't know any better. You did what was in your nature to do. But now you're in the light, in the Lord, walk as a son or a daughter of the King. We must walk in what God has brought us into. Walk in the realm that God has brought us into. Operate in it, live in it, in what God has given you. We are the children of the the light of the world. But let's not see how close we can get to the world and get away with it. But let us see what God has called us to be. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm not great with heights. And I get nervous when people stand at the edge of cliffs and stuff like that because I'm afraid they'd fall off. So I'm quite cautious that way. Why, why stand at the edge and say, I wonder if I could fall? Just get away from the edge. You could have arguments and debates. and the, Well, do you think I could fall? No, 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 no. If you're, if you're genuinely standing there in the right position, you'll never fall. Well, I don't know, and you're, you, can, you can be looking over that edge, but just get away from the edge. Go right to the center and keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow your, yourself to be cornered by scriptures that if you pull it to an extreme will bring you into error on either side. Don't dwell too long on the perils of these things. They are there for a purpose. You have the comfort and you have the warnings. Each one is like a buffer. Stay away from the, good, the, the more comfortable side because that just leads to easy believism. Stay away from the edge. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. That's the safest journey of all. The fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. His word, his spirit, are the best guidelines for discerning what is acceptable. Our conscience is also a guideline, but rather let it be governed and tempered by the Spirit of God. We can be prone to have an oversensitive conscience. Some of us could do with a sensitive conscience. And some of us have a very insensitive conscience. The Bible talks about guarding your heart. Watch over it. 
Be careful what you give your affection to because our affections, they have a habit of wrapping around the things that we um, are attracted to. And they gain the, the tug of our heart. The Bible says, guard your heart. Be very slow to give your heart to something that could damage you, that could have a wrong influence, but rather let it be governed by his word. I don't want to do this if it affects my relationship with God. I don't want to wear this if it affects my relation, if it brings a reproach on the body of Christ. I don't want to be somebody in the body of Christ that is causing a distraction or that is, that is not displaying the fragrance of Christ in my life. When, if, we were, if we use that approach rather than say, is it acceptable to wear jeans or is it acceptable to wear a tie or not have a tie? And we can get tie ourselves into knots in, re, in relation to these issues. But rather, let it come from the heart. Lord, is, is, what, is how I live, what I wear, is it, glor- is it drawing attention to me or is it glorifying God? I'm glad it doesn't say things specifically because we'd all conform, you know. So, well, it says it here. And inside you could be as dead as a doorknob. It says, guard your heart, watch over it. That's the seat of your affections. That's where the issues of life flow from. The, the heart really is, the, is really what's going on inside your life. That's the, the seat of your affections. We are to guard that, every one of us. Be careful what you give your time and your heart to. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Works of darkness do not produce good fruit. The very word darkness conjures up images of things done in secret, closed curtains, shameful behavior. The Bible says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. If you're walking in darkness in your life, it's because your deeds are evil. If, if that, what's that phrase Jesus used? If that darkness in you, if that light is in you, is, is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's, that's the hypocrite. That's the one who is the outward show, but inside there's darkness. That's a great darkness because it's sneaky, it's deceiving, it's deceptive, it twists things, it affects your thinking. And so you've, maybe you've worked for years at covering some part of darkness in your life. God wants to expose it, not to embarrass you, but that the light may come in and set you free. Some of us are going around with dead weights on our legs. It's so well covered that the routine of church can't root it out. But let me tell you, Jesus can root it out. But you've got to open the door. But rather expose them, positively open the curtains, let the light in and those bugs will flee. You ever see if you pull up a stone and all those insects start to run? That's what sin is like. It's fine, it's wonderful underneath the surface. You can't see it. I can't see your life, but God can. We know God is omnipresent, but we live often at times as if we don't really believe it. You could say the fear of God really is unbelief in God's word. It's a terrible place to not fear God. But rather, out of reverence for him, 
Let the light in. Let Jesus in that you may be healed. He's the cure to it. Correction may be needed, but let it be done in love and in the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done in secret. You know that old phrase, curiosity killed the cat. We must be careful in our conversations of what we're found speaking about, about things that are done in secret. Humans in particular, I believe, are unreal at inventing ways to sin. We don't want the details fully out there. Is it profitable for you to share that story with a brother or sister? You're affecting yourself. You're affecting the person you tell. You're, you're, you're affecting other lives. You're spreading a poison. Let us be careful. How, how often have you heard something on the radio and they're talking about some website or they're talking about some situation and they always seem to mention it? That really annoys me because they're mentioning something that somebody's at home now and they're checking it out. They've given them a door open because our minds, they, they gravitate towards that sort of wickedness. That's the way the world is. It wants to know the horrible details. That's why the vast majority of liberal media people, they always want to get to the, the filth of the conversation, to expose. And there's something vile in us at times. We want to hear it. We ought not to. Turn it off. When Noah was found naked after drinking too much in the tent, one of his own sons had no problem in blabbing about it. The other son went in backwards and covered his father. Saints, let us be careful how we conduct ourselves. Don't be quick to expose the failures and weakness of others. How often that can be done about us. It doesn't mean we don't deal with things. There, there is a right way to deal with things. But I love that picture of one of Noah's sons just, just covering that situation. Not excusing it, but being reverent. Sometimes we can have some sort of a sick way about us to expose a situation, but we really want that person to be cut out. We really want them to suffer. Our motives are wrong. And God says if, if, we, if we laugh or scorn at somebody that's coming under judgment, be careful, because God could relent doing it and turn on you or I. We ought to be reverent. You know, I, I see a mom or a dad, I see a mom in particular, she'll protect that child. There may be some naughty characteristics that she'll say, well, if I had that child, I'd make sure I'd deal with it. I know I've said that. <laughs> People probably have said it about my kids. <laughs> but that mom will protect that child and even cover for that child because there's a bond there. There's a love there. And God cares for you. God loves you. I'm not talking about some sort of Hollywood syrupy perversion of love. I'm talking about the love of God that was in Christ that purchased you with his own blood. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if there's something nasty in your character, he wants to root that out. He doesn't want a brother and sister to go around and blab about it to the rest of the church about what so-and-so said or did. God loves that brother or sister. You think of that mother looking after the child. That's a picture of Christ loving his church. But he's the perfect one. He knows how to conform us after his image. He knows what disciplines we need perfectly. And sometimes we have to learn lessons from God because he loves us. 
His son covered him. The Bible talks about not rebuking an older man harshly. Treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, younger men as brothers. Or in other words, we're to love and respect one another. There are ways of approaching somebody to highlight areas. If somebody says something to be gracious with them. I know you don't like to receive something that somebody said, well, I didn't like the way you said such and such. Try and put yourself, maybe they struggled bringing that to you. Maybe they genuinely care about you. What about you? Did you ever, did you ever uh, come to somebody and point something out and say, well, what about you? I don't say you. That's the natural reaction. But rather clothe it in humility. Have respect for one another. Be careful with one another. Just uh, hearing the worship this morning here, I said, oh, it's the family of God. I'm at home, I felt in my heart. Rejoicing together. People rejoicing in the Lord. This is wonderful. One day we will see him. The blind will be able to see him. As Caleb said, he leaped for joy. What a savior. There is a day coming. That what is the Bible says three score years and ten seventy for average people will last. Some will last longer, some less. And we'll be into eternity forever. We live as if <clears throat> eternity is so far away. But it's just a breath away. Remember that what David said about his son Absalom when they were going out to war. He says, he said, deal kindly with Absalom for my sake. Deal, deal kindly with little Mary for my sake. She's my daughter. Doesn't mean we excuse things. Things do have to be dealt with. But deal kindly for my sake. Absalom is such a picture of arrogance and pride. You know, you see, he got what he deserved. His hair. Who weighs his hair once a year? <laughs> I don't have any, so <laughs> maybe there's a bit of bitterness there. <laughs> but who weighs their hair once a year? Just the pride that was in him. I'm sure he had plenty of ammunition against his dad. He never dealt with that situation with his daughter when, when he went into her, laid, laid with her. He never dealt with that, right? All it says is David was angry. I'm sure, I'm sure his son Absalom had a big file against his dad. I'm sure there were people coming from east. What are you talking to that king for? He never dealt with situations in his life. I, let me tell you about him. And here's the king, deal kindly with Absalom for my sake. What a picture of the father's heart. This is, this is not a God who excuses wrong or sinful behavior. Yes, there needs to be discipline, church discipline, and things that are necessary. Yes, of course, I'm not speaking against those things. But just from what God's word says, let us take the exam. Deal kindly with so-and-so for my sake. Be careful how you handle them. You mightn't get a good reaction. I'm sure the sheep farmer sometimes, when he used to get down and remove something nasty from his sheep, he might get a few kicks. He might get butted. He might get kicked over, or whatever the case may be. But deal kindly with them for my sake. There's, a, there's something taking root there that needs to be removed. Oh, God, let us be reminded of those things. What a picture of the father's heart for his son. Even, even the son that betrayed his own father. What a, uh, he was so full of pride. 
Imagine after going up, meeting his dad, and he's right back in position now, and out he goes with, was it 50 or so soldiers ahead of him? What a display of arrogance. I'm the, I'm the man, I'm the new, I'm the new uh, teaching now. I, I have new revelation now. And so all the while, this sneaky, surreptitious motive behind it all, well, my dad is so-and-so. He's finished now. He's gone. He's, it's over with. Look, I could tell you about him. This is, this is what, I'll meet your needs. I'll tell you the truth. I'll watch over you. But all the while, he's deceiving. He's turning the hearts against David, turning their hearts against Jesus. You know, you don't need that. Look, this is my latest display. This is my latest technology, my latest book, my latest revelation. This is what you need to hear. But here is a man that was broken, though he came out of Jerusalem. You know, he wept as, was it Shemaiah, I think his name, was hurling stones at him. You're getting what you deserve. How often have we said that? You're getting what you deserve, the judgment of God. And David is coming out just broken, being reminded of his past failures, I'm sure. I'm certain of it. Being reminded of his failures, of how he didn't deal with situations. He's not fighting for his kingdom. He's running from his prideful son. This has come, this abuse is being hurled at him. I'm sure he was a broken man. Leave him alone. Perhaps the Lord will have mercy. I'm sure Jesus would say, deal kindly with so-and-so for my sake. We come to God, we look for mercy. I, I come to God, I look for mercy. I believe he has mercy on me when I co- confess my sin. I believe it because his word says it. He's unchangeable. That brother or sister needs mercy too. Verse 14, therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. <clears throat> Spurgeon said this sleepiness in the Christian is exceedingly dangerous because he can do a great deal while he's asleep. That will make you look as if you're quite awake. We can speak when we're asleep. We can hear when we're asleep. We can walk when we're asleep. We can sing when we're asleep. And we can think when we're asleep. The man who is asleep does not care what becomes of his neighbors. How can he while he's asleep? And oh, some of you Christians do not care whether souls are saved or lost. It's enough for them if they are comfortable, if they can attend a respectable place of worship and go with others to heaven, they are indifferent about everything else. Oh, the word is great in such and such a place. Did you hear this message? I, I, I remember knowing a guy who was a painter and he'd listen to messages all day long, all day long, powerful messages. He's now turned his back on God. God's not impressed with the preachers or the commentaries that we read. He sees right through it all. We should see here and so and so. Did you hear Tim's message last week? Powerful. Is it, is it changing your life? Are you, are you finding yourself in a place where you're just, just hearing it, but it's not going any farther and taking comfort in a sense with a strong message? I mean, I know for me, being brought up in, in uh, the Christian church that I was, hit me with the strongest message. I'd want to hear messages on love. That's weak. Just hit me right between. The harder, the better. But inside, I was a hypocrite. Inside, I was mean. I criticize everything. The, ch- the rest of the church is out of step. I'm the only one in step. 
That was the arrogant heart that I had. And that was the, the arrogance that I, that I was surrounded with. I thank God it's not the same today. By God's mercy. And many of those believers that I was with, they're not the same today. Praise God. God forbid that we should be stuck in some sort of... You know, we are comfortable in our traditions and we think we've, that God is pleased with traditions. He's not. He said, they've made void my laws by your traditions. 15, <clears throat> see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to pay, take back our time. If that time has been eroded, we need to make some readjustments. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. And we understand what his will is from this book, where his workmanship, I'm God's workmanship. It's like a sign, God at work. Oh, may the Lord have his way. God at work. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, which leads to all sorts of unrestrained behavior. That's the influence that alcohol can have. The things that we surround ourselves have influence on us. It's, it's a simple cause and effect. It's not some airy-fairy theory. It's a reality of what you take in comes out what you soak yourself with, but rather be filled with the Spirit, rather be influenced by the Spirit of God. Thus says the Lord. God's given me a word for your sister or brother. This is what God has to say. That's, that's all that really matters. What I have to say is very limited effect, but what God has to say, just let us know the truth, Lord. Just give us the reality of your word. Jesus had something to say to every one of the churches. He has something to say to every one of us specifically. And we know that. You know, the Bible says that um, we're, we're not ignorant of his, the, the enemy's devices. But also, we're not ignorant. We also know the weaknesses in our own lives. We know them. Praise God, we can bring those weaknesses to God. If it's sin, failure, we can bring them to God. And we can be strengthened in the area where the enemy attacks. That's the way the enemy attacks. You look at a lion scouring for that prey. It'll, it'll look for the weak one, the young ones, the ones that are easily influenced, the ones that are being drawn away, the ones that were no longer in the center, but they're now being affected by somebody else. And over time, they're going out and out and out and further and further. The enemy goes around like a prowling lion and he loves a backslidden Christian. He loves to destroy your testimony. He loves to bring you down into the gutter. You know, when I hear people say that, oh, I wish I had a dramatic testimony like so-and-so. You ask so-and-so that has that dramatic, would they change the clock if they could? Absolutely. There are things that happened in my past I'd rather forget. It's a wonderful thing to be brought up in a Christian home and be protected from such filth that's out there that wants to destroy you. Deception, but rather be influenced by what the Spirit of God brings into our lives. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. Isn't God's word wonderful? It's for us. You know, we we have a book that the disciples didn't have. 
We, we have 66 books that they didn't have. Some of them wrote scripture, but we have it all contained. I'm sure like you, I have a few versions, different versions at home. I like to see what's in, how things are expressed in different versions. But are those different versions changing my life? Praise God for these things, commentaries, Bible study books. All of these things are wonderful. But let's use them for the glory of God. Let it deepen and enrich our lives so that we're not just coming in here on a Sunday morning just to be encouraged, but that we are hearing truth and that truth is changing us and the fragrance of Christ is spreading in lives and there is fruit for the glory of God. Fruit for the glory. Every time you see a little baby, like that little baby, just be reminded the difference when new life comes. How cute they are and cuddly and, and I know there are other areas, you'd, you know, shh. But it's a beautiful picture of life. And God's handy, uh, his stamp is everywhere. It's wonderful. Praise God for life. Life. Joy. Praise God for this joy. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Praise God for his goodness. Hallelujah. Jesus. I wonder, Johnny, could you play that? chorus that you played earlier when I think of the goodness of Jesus. As we sing this song together, I just want you to think of the goodness of Jesus. Just you and the Lord. If you want to come forward for prayer, we can do that. If you want to stay in your seat, that's fine too. But I just want you to concentrate on him as we sing. Let let that song become a real prayer in your heart. When we're reminded of how good he is. He knows those areas. He knows if they're sinning. Jesus knows about it, and he wants to take it out. Yeah, today. Today, he wants to do it today. Not next week, or I'll sort it out Monday morning. Today. Will you let him in? Just open the door and let him in. And as we sing this song, let's, let's allow the, just that to penetrate our hearts and swing that heart's door widely open. Praise God. Thanks, darling.